The text this morning can be summed up in these words. I meant what I said. I said what I meant. An elephant is faithful. Help me out. One hundred percent. And who said that? Horton the elephant from Dr. Seuss's Horton. This crowd right over here got it. Y'all can go on to lunch. You figured it out already. All right, here's what I want to do. Um, I do know what time the Chiefs kick off. I've got my watch turned to the inside, and so I'm watching, okay? Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 40, 33. All right, giving it a shot. Everybody pray. Oh, I wasn't hitting the right button. Sorry, that was my fault. There we go. No, I don't want that yet. Okay. Again, quickly, we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching about how to live in, in the kingdom of God, and we've come to this, this um, place so far. Verse 33, again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep your oaths that you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is His footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes, and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from evil. Verse 38. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't resist an evil person or don't resist evil. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Now, let me give you quickly just the, the background here. Jesus said uh, in his teaching on oaths, um, and, and, and there are several places in the Old Testament you can go look at them. You make a vow, if you make an oath to the Lord, keep it. But this particular tradition kind of ran amok like a lot of things do. Right? So you have Jesus in here saying, now don't, don't swear by Jerusalem, or don't swear by the gold, or don't swear by your head. Or, right? You say, what in the world is Jesus talking about? Well, see, here's the deal. Human beings have struggled from the very beginning of time to keep their commitments. So you say, yes, I'm going to be there. And I'll tell you how you know, because I'm going to swear on the gold of the temple or on my head or on my hair. Here's what it boiled down to. They began to develop this hierarchy of commitments. So if I said to you, yes, I will be here today at the trunk or treat at 3 o'clock, and I swear by the hair on my head, it meant there's about a 30% chance that I'm coming. And everybody knew this. It wasn't a shock to them. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, better find somebody else. 
I swear on the gold of the temple. Right? 55%. And it became this game of if it doesn't suit your day or your week or your life, don't do it. But pretend as though you are religious and you sound religious and you're making these oaths, but you're not going to have to fulfill them. See, so what they thought was, if I don't invoke the name of God, if I invoke the name of God, then God's part of the oath. And if I if I break the oath, he's going to get me. So I'll just swear by something else. Jesus says, stop playing those games. When you say yes, do it. When you say no, don't do it. Okay? The other one is, again, if you're, if you're forced to go a mile, you know, they were under... Under Rome, Rome with its soldiers would say, look, citizen, you got to carry my stuff for a mile. And you were forced to do it, right? And so if you were under their supervision, if you were a slave to, to, to Rome, you would have to carry it, right? And most people, when they were carrying it, are like I was when I was forced to take out the trash when I was a kid, right? My mom said, son, you take the trash out. And I'm like, I really don't want to take the trash out. Get that trash out or you're not going to... Play outside tonight, you know, something like that. I say, yeah, I'm take out this trash, all right, but I'm gonna tell you what, that's the last time I do something like this. I'm, I've had it. She's working me to death around here, right? Yeah, we're carrying it, but I mean, we got an attitude about it. Jesus says, let that go. Go two miles. What is it to you? Go ahead and go the other mile. Matter of fact, if someone strikes you across the cheek, and this one is where it gets tough, turn the other cheek. And I've wrestled with this, right? Again, Jesus is dealing with with our emotions and, and how we respond to people. I was studying for this all week, okay? And I'm like, I'm getting up there and I'm going to get them there at church. I'm just really going to sick them on this one, right? And so I'm standing in line at the convenience store this week. And there's about three or four of us. And here comes a guy with a cup of coffee, walks right to the front, right beside me and said, Do you mind if I go? So, I looked at him, I looked at the line, I looked back, and I'm thinking, I'm about to tear him a new page and tell him, his, your mother didn't teach you to stay in line, and if you cut line, you... Blah, blah. And God got me at that moment and said, Sitters, what are you preaching Sunday? And I was like, yes, go ahead, yes, yes. We all struggle with it. That raised my blood pressure. Who do you think you... What difference does it make? What difference does it make? Right? It's just going to, again, damage me. So, let's talk about this. If you have your your bulletin and you looked at some of the comments that I made, I, I said this, Jesus is no fluff teacher. 
I don't know where we got into this idea that, you know, Jesus is all about rainbows and unicorns and love each other. And, and He is. But this Sermon on the Mount gets right down to the heart of where we live. Jesus, especially today, is speaking the truth. And as you know, truth often hurts before it heals. Yes, going to get amen. Truth often hurts before it begins the process of healing. Why? Because I have to learn to surrender to the truth. Because most of my life I've been fighting against the truth. And I'll do it my way. And I, I can figure this thing out. And God, I got it. And if they cut in line on me, I'm going to teach them a new truth so that they don't ever cut in line again. Boy, I'll set them straight. So I thought about some fundamentals. Because Jesus really turns the heat up on us. Number one, no one has the power to make you angry. Get quiet in here now. Well, you don't know my spouse. No, no one has the power to make you angry. No one has the power to make you jealous. No one has the power to make you ever quit. No one has the power to make you depressed. I do that in my own life. Dempsey got up and said one of the fundamental theological principles of this world is human free will and free choice that God bestowed on us. Nobody can make you angry. We choose to do that. Nobody can make me quit. Nobody is forcing me to say, well, you know, I'm going to make my commitments, but you know what? I don't have to follow through with them. I do that. Number two, I cannot fix another person. Can I get an amen there? Then why do we keep trying to? I can't fix another person. I can only work on my own life. Number three, my life is my responsibility. I have what I have and I am what I am based on the person that I have become over the last several years and decades. It's my responsibility. As an adult, it's my responsibility. I'm the one that said yes to certain things and I'm the one that has said no to certain things. Excuses are just a way to get out of taking responsibility or it's a way of trying to avoid blame. That's what excuses are. I must learn to surrender to the process. Whatever it is in life, there's a process. Whatever it is you want to become, whatever it is that you're working on, whatever it is in your growth to spiritual maturity, there's a process. But most of the times, I don't want to surrender to the process. I'm like what Martin Luther in the 1500s said, don't preach the uh, crown of Jesus until you've preached the cross of Jesus. I like the crown. See, where I came from, we had several guys in our church that were crop dusters. That is the coolest thing. I mean, it just drop it straight down, and, and they're coming right toward the, um, the telephone line. Whew, shoot that right up in the air and curve and come back. And that just fascinated me. I mean, I really was fascinated by it. And so I asked them, can I go do that? Monday, can I, you didn't hear what I said, Monday, can I go fly your plane? Paul, how many of you think that they let me fly their plane? 
I, wa- I saw them. I watched them, and they did this. And I said, you know, I think, I think you take the steering wheel or whatever you call that, and you pull it down and push it up. Just fly. I said, you're not flying my plane. I said, why? And the answer is, because I've not surrendered to the process of becoming a crop duster. See, I think heart surgery is incredible. I've watched it on YouTube. It's incredible. So I'm ready if you need heart surgery. Call me, okay? I'll come cut you open. Right? Nobody's going to do it. Why not? Sitters, you haven't surrendered to the process of becoming a surgeon. There is a process that you go through. You stay up late and you work and you read and you, you go to school and, you, and, 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 and all those things that are, that are part of it. Why have we thought it's any different when it comes to following Jesus and surrendering to the process? Where in the world did it come from that, you know what, all you got to do is show up, you know, maybe once, twice a month, sing a few songs, acknowledge Jesus, everything's going to go well. Jesus is getting after us today. Got to learn how to surrender to the process. Which means that, here we go, at some point I have to decide. Okay. Now the word "decide" means when you when you do the etymology of the word means to cut, to cut. And when I decide, what happens in my life is I'm saying yes to this, and I'm saying no to everything else. Right? I cut all of that. And so a true decision is when I make the commitment to something. Which means that I'm saying no to the rest. I think Jesus is calling us again to learn the process of deciding. What is it that you and I have said yes to? What is it that you and I have said no to? And learning how to keep those commitments. Victor Frankl, one of my favorite books, Man's Search for Meaning. All right, now I want to go backwards. Uh, Victor Frankl, um, concentration camp uh, during World War II, and um, he survived, and he saw the worst of the worst, and he saw a lot of his people die. But he had a manuscript, which, by the way, is this book, that he kept hidden in his pocket and in his sock and everywhere, but they finally, they finally confiscated it from him. So he continued to go over the manuscript in his mind all the time. And when he got freed, he got a pen and paper and he went to writing and he wrote this book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. See, we, we think, well, you just, you just don't understand my life. You, do, you don't understand my spouse. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand my circumstances, where I've come from, what I live with, what I deal with. Here's what he wrote. In attempting a psychological presentation, uh, which is an explanation of the typical characteristics of a concentration camp inmate, I may give the impression that the human being is completely and unavoidably influenced by his surroundings. But what about human liberty? Is there no spiritual freedom in regard to behavior and reaction to any given surroundings? 
Is the theory true, um, which would have us to believe that man is no more than a product of many conditional and, and environmental factors, be they of a biological or psychological or sociological? Is a man but an accident, uh, a product of these? Most important, do the prisoners' reactions to the singular world of the concentration camp prove that man cannot escape the influences of his surroundings, which the world would say, yes, that's right. Does man have no choice of action in the face of such circumstances? And here's what he wrote. We who lived in the concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts, comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread. They may have been few in number, but they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms to choose one's attitude in any uh, given set of circumstances to choose one's own way and never lose it. You may surrender it, but you never lose it. And, and I thought about this. What was it that, that, that we have said yes to? I want us to think about this. We're doing good. I said yes to Jesus. It's a long time ago. And the reason I said yes to Jesus fundamentally was because I realized I, I can't make it on my own. I can't do this for myself. Ready? I need help. I'm a mess. I'm sinful. I need salvation. So I said yes to Jesus. Jesus, would you save me? I confess your name. I repent of my sin. I was immersed in the waters of baptism and I was raised and I came forth a, a new living creature. I said, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said, well, wait just a minute. Before you just take off and go on your way, there are some things that come with this. One is that you are to constantly remember the commitment that you made. One of the ways, by the way, that we do that is when we pass out the bread and the cup. We're remembering, you know what? I made a commitment to Jesus and it's not just a commitment that, that we're making, a recommitment to God. We're saying that to each other. Because here's what Jesus comes along and says, You also then made a commitment to the church. Do you realize that we're committed to each other when we said yes to Jesus? If you realize that, shake your head. I, I got that. We're, we're in this thing together. That we are committed to each other. Right? We are a family. This is our family. I want to tell you, I need you to know this. You guys are our family here. You're our family. See, here's the deal. Families, we families love to get together. And we love to celebrate things, right? We love to eat together. That's part of family. But, boy, I'm going to tell you what. If your family's like mine, we have some knockdown dragouts, right? We say, our kids were growing up, I'd say, like, you better get to your room right now because I'm, I about had it with you. Right? Now, I didn't get rid of them. I didn't, I didn't tell them, you know what, you're, you're, you're no longer part of the family and, and, and I'm done with you. 
We, we all go back and we love each other. That's what this is all about. You and I said yes to Jesus. We said yes to the church, which means that we said yes to each other. We got, you got to understand this. We are committed to each other. Let your yes be yes. And let your no be no. It's the idea of learning how to develop integrity. Integrity. Being integral. Learning how to be whole. So that we don't have anything missing. When I stood before the preacher 29 years ago, and he he asked me this question, do you take Mary Ann to be your wife? I said, yeah. Woo, I'm ready. Yes. He said something else, though. He said, for better or worse. I said, well, time out. What? No, better. Is it a choice? A or B? You know, multiple choice? I take better. No, no, no. You get both. For better or worse. I said, yes. Now, again, probably a lot of you guys are like me. I didn't have a clue what I was saying yes to. I'm still in the process of learning what that means. But that's okay. I said, for better or for worse. Listen to me. When it gets worse, you don't, we don't run. We don't bolt. We don't say, no, that's on you. We don't let our emotions get out of hand. We say, you know what? I made that commitment. And everything within me, I'm going to stay committed to my yes. That's what Jesus wants of us. It's being committed. (laughs) You know that my son-in-law has a twin. Ethan, wave your hand back here. And Ethan and Heather have just moved to Kansas City two, three weeks ago. And um, Ethan and Heather are going to have their first child in the next few months. She's coming. She, he, he's coming. He's coming. So Heather asked my daughter Danielle, said, hey, I need a, I need a baby doctor. O-B-G-Y-N, N-L-P-Q-R-S-T-Y. I need one of those. She said, oh, You've got to go to my doctor. She was wonderful. Delivered, I mean, the whole thing. So Heather said, okay, great. Well, you know, Jordan's only 11 months old. And so they've been, you know, they went to this doctor for several months. And afterwards, take Jordan up there. So Heather takes Ethan with her. And um, to meet this doctor. Some of you are jumping ahead. And um, they're talking to her, and Ethan said, I just felt like she was looking at me like, "Mm mm-hmm. What in the world is is going on? But she just kept looking at him. And finally, Heather uh, explained, you know, now, you you delivered my sister-in-law's baby, and that's Danielle and Tyler, and Tyler and Ethan are identical twins. (laughs) And she started laughing and went, oh, thank you, Lord. She's looking at Ethan like, you dirty, rotten scoundrel. You're in here with another woman. and That's one of the funniest stories. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just thought about it when I was. Yeah, it does. 
So, so he still has his integrity, right? I mean, close enough. You gotta learn to have. You gotta be people of integrity. When I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Men, husbands, fathers, on the job. You said yes to your employer. The other one is learning to let go. Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. I gotta let it go. Just some things that I'm just I gotta let go. What difference does it make to me? Be people of integrity in the kingdom of God. People who are working on their emotions. I have a um, a brother-in-law that played for the Denver Broncos, and that's who we play today, isn't it? He played for the Broncos in the '80s, and um, he he um, he was an offensive lineman, offensive tackle, and so when he was in the game as a, a rookie or second-year player, he was he was the one who was protecting John Elway's backside. I mean, that's a big deal. And when he was a rookie, you know, I would whenever we get together for Christmas, I say, "Tell me the story." You know, you're lining up against these. Hall of Fame guys. I said, tell me, how'd, how'd you, how'd that, what'd that feel like? What'd... And so he would tell me, and he said, you know, here's what you got to learn. He said, I would get down in my stance, and, and all the time these defensive ends would be chattering at me. Oh, rookie, yeah, you think you're going to do something? Yeah, rookie. Blah, blah, blah. And I'd get down, and this guy would be right in my face. And while the quarterback, always calling signals, he would just spit in my face. Put yourself in that position, right? Spit in his face. I can tell you what I would do. <laughs> I'd have come out of there, take my helmet off, and I'd just been beating him into the ground, right? But what happens if I do that? Right? Five yards, 15 yards, you're gone. Which is what he wanted. That's what he wanted Dan to do. He said, I had to learn. Just deal with it till the, till the quarterback finally said, hut. I said, man, how in the world could you control that? You know what? You and I can control any emotion, any desire, any action that we choose to. And I've never forgotten that. The question is, are we going to do it or not? I'll leave you with this one. Years ago... Chinese emperor was getting old, had no children, and knew that he needed to have somebody that would be the emperor that follows him. So he made an announcement that, um, that uh, they're going to have this search, and all the guys could come, and, and hundreds of them did. He said, okay, here's what we're doing. He gave them all a seed. He said, I want you to take this seed, put it in a big big pot, because it's going to be a big, going to be a big tree. I want you to plant it. I want you to water. I want you to discipline yourself. I want you to work with this for an entire year. At the end of the year, I want you to come back and show us what you have, and we'll make a decision on that. All these guys took the seed home, put it in a plant. There was one particular guy. We'll call him Joe. Joe takes it home. His mom helps him plant it in this big pot and puts it in there, and he's watering it every day, every day, every day. Nothing's coming up. Absolutely nothing. And his friends talk, and he's noticing that their trees are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. 
they, they get together and have parties about their trees and they're making fun of Joe because he's got nothing but dirt in his pot. He said, Mom, what's, what's, what's wrong with this? And I think you just got to keep watering it. You got to keep working with it. Got to keep working with it. A year passed and they all show up on the day. Hundreds of them coming with these pots of trees that are beautiful and flowers and, and leaves on it. And here comes Joe, you know, looking like Charlie Brown with his Christmas tree. I mean, he has nothing. There's a pot of dirt. And he's thinking, this emperor is really going to get on me. And the emperor walks through the people. Like, wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. And he comes to Joe. He said, Joe, what happened? He said, I, I don't know, but I worked it every day. Watered it. Did everything I could. Nothing's coming up. Emperor just went, hmm, and walked on. He goes to the front and he makes his announcement. He said, I've chosen the one who's going to be the next emperor. And his name is Joe. Joe, come to the front. Bring your pot. <laughs> Here comes Joe with his pot. And people are looking at him. What in the world? This emperor's lost his mind. Emperor said a year ago, I gave you a seed. But before I gave you the seed, I boiled every one of them so that there is no way that they would ever produce and there's been only one candidate that had integrity and honesty and courage. And so Joe will be the next emperor. That's what Jesus is calling us. Stay true to our commitment. Five questions. What have you decided? What are your excuses? What's been going on in your head this morning as I've been talking? What's the excuse that you've been saying to me? Not out loud, but you've been saying, but sitters, you don't understand me. You don't understand my life. What's your excuse? What are you still holding on to? What emotion? You're hanging on to it. Number four. When will you make God's family your family? When will you make God's family your family? And last question. If not now, when? Let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. And may our lives reflect the integrity of those choices. As we continue to honor God, love God, and honor and bless each other. And at some point, let it go. For your own good and for God's glory. Let's stand and sing. If we can pray for you, you can come to the front right now.